Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bakarbanu mikol hamim, venatan lanu et torato. Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha-torah. Amen. Amen. This, this Parsha, um, well, no, sorry, not Parsha, I guess we're on the weekly Parsha, but we're into Romans. Get it to the Romans, um, and is dedicated to the refluah shlema of Esther Markovitz again. And the section we're on is still chapter one, um, verse sixteen and seventeen. Amen. So I'll begin with verse sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the Besora Hagula. It is the ruach. Sorry, is the korach power of Hashem for the gula deliverance. To all who have Amuna, to the Yehudi, above all, but also to the Yavani, Yavini, the Greek, to all who have Amuna, or sorry, um, yes, but also to the Yavini, the Greek. Ending of verse 16. Amen. So this week's Torah portion is Parsha Kitisa, and we are correlating these two verses to the Parsha. And you may think to yourself, what does Parsha Ketisa have to do with Romans 1, 16 to 17? Well, actually has to do a lot. Let me go ahead and lay out a little foundation for us. Um, this is coming from the ladder of Jacob, a.k.a. Benny B. is who I refer to him as. He is giving a teaching on the image of the emperor. There's a little known story about a coin or something and some temple tax that people are like, hey, uh, does your Rebbe teach that you're supposed to pay the temple tax? And uh, while we're at it, what about the regular government taxes? Because, you know, Caesar want to get his cut. And Yeshua is like, let me, let me do this real quick. First of all, okay, if you'll go out to the, the pond or the lake over there and uh, if you'll take a coin from the fish's mouth. You know, because the fish represents noon in Hebrew. That's why Yehoshua ben noon is such a thing, because if you get into the Aramaic, you understand that noon is actually the way you say fish. And so you're going to go to the place of righteousness, which in Ivrit is Zadaka. So you think about the Zadaka box is all about righteousness. And uh, yesterday with a group of crazy Lapidniks, we found out that the way you make a Sadi in Hebrew is to take a Yod, which means that's the letter of Yeshua and also the place of the Shekinah. Uh, that's the little space that's created between the two wings of the Kerubim on top of the Aron, which is the Ark. And that's where the Shekinah was contracted and spoke through that little place right there. That's the Yod. So you're taking the Yod and you're putting that with the Noon. And when you take the Yod and put it on the Noon, the Noon is already bent over and you're going to put the Shekinah on the Noon. And that's the way you make the word Sadi. And Sadi is short for Zadik, which means the righteous one. And then when you add a hay to the end of Zadik, it becomes Zadaka. So the righteous one is a person of Zadaka. And Zadaka is what you give. It's your coins that you put in a box. So literally Yeshua is like, Kaif, if you'll go get my Zadaka box real quick, he's swimming up right now. And um, we're going to go ahead and give a coin uh, for the temple tax. And then on this coin, uh, there's also the idea of whose image is on it. 
when it comes to the coin for the temple tax, it's the image of us. It's the image of our redemption. The shekel is brought down that this is our atonement money that we're supposed to pay. And we're supposed to not pay a full shekel. We're supposed to pay a half shekel because the half shekel goes all the way back to the covenant between the parts. When the smoking furnace and the oven are walking through the parts of the animals that Abraham was told to slaughter and split in half to make a covenant. So the reason why we're making this covenant now is because we just worshiped the golden calf not five minutes after we said, Nah, save Anishma Hashem. Like, we'll do whatever you say and we'll learn what it is we're doing after we are doing it. Like, Hashem was like, Great, I established my covenant with you, Moshe sprinkling blood on you, and I'm gonna go ahead and uh, give you the tablets. And right before they receive the tablets, they start, we start worshiping the golden calf. And so there's this picture here of you just broke the covenant. You should be separated in half, just like the animals. So since uh, Moshe said, don't wipe y'all out, I know he's going to do that in the future. He's not doing it now. But remember, there's no time with me. So he did it today. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and not split you in half. And I'm going to say that if you pay this half shekel, this will count as your soul being divided. And you have now operated in the element of atonement because not only do you have to give this coin in obedience, but you have to give it in a muna, like in a place of, you know what, Hashem, thank you so much for being willing to save us from our desperate sin and uh, idolatry that we cast ourselves into. So anyway, that's a lot of information for that. But the half shekel is all about sacrificing ourselves and Hashem counts us by the redemption that we allow ourselves to attach to and I say allow ourselves to attach to because many are called but few are chosen and so everyone should be paying the half shekel if you're a man or a woman or a child or or something like that of a human being no matter what age or what sex you are you should be paying the half shekel but it's just like well I'm not Jewish. And it's just like, that ain't the point. Because <laughs> when Hashem redeems you, you become a new creation. And guess what that new creation is? A Yehudi. But anyway, this is all going on. So Benny B drops down that regardless if one was rich or poor, all were required to give highlighting the idea that regardless of status, each person is valued equally in the eyes of Hashem. And so you find in our section that we were talking about with the coin and the fish's mouth, which is Matthew 22, 15 through 22, uh, Yeshua is speaking. It says, it's important to note that the Pharisees enlisted the helps of Herod's political faction. What was the purpose of their, present, uh, their presence in question to Yeshua? The Herodians were political, not religious figures. So there's this whole idea of the bought priesthood is joining up with the Roman government to bring accusation against Mashiach by mingling the half shekel with the governmental taxation that's due. 
which is just the epitome of the golden calf because the golden calf by the way brought down by Shodnef Pincus is a conglomeration of Ishmael and Asaph because the front part of the calf was uh one was a donkey and then one was a uh what was it it's a I believe it's a goat so the the calf is a conglomeration of a front and a back I don't have that source in front of me but trust me if you got questions I will source it out and get it um not on this podcast obviously but anyway it's the connection of these two animals which represent Asav and Ishmael and yes that's Christianity and Islam yep mm -hmm. so that's the golden calf and we're supposed to cut up that golden calf and keep it from being together but yet right here we have Pharisees and Rome just getting together and being like yeah sure we'll, we'll do a golden calf and by the way that which is supposed to redeem us which is the half shekel um, we're just going to throw that under the bus and put that with Roman uh, taxation uh, due process stuff so uh, in our verse in the Egedit to the Romans in chapter 1 verse 16 he's talking about there's the Basora of Mashiach the power of God unto deliverance so anyway um, I wanted to break all those Hebrew words down and let me just do that real quick without reading from the Targum, but just know that the Targum has a whole bunch of stuff on this. So you got Eyeni, uh, which means it's from the root word Ain, which is a way to say not. And a one way to say, like, is this not the judgment is Eino Din. Like, is this not the judgment? So what uh, Shaul is using here, he's saying Eino Vosh which is, am I not ashamed? Vosh is how you say ashamed or uh, bashful in Hebrew. And then you got Basora, which is the message. Okay. And so he's talking about the message, which is Basar, which is flesh. Um, so you got the flesh of Mashiach basically is what he's talking about. So he's not ashamed of the flesh, which is the message of redemption. And then you have Mashiach, which means anointed one. So there's the anointing that comes through this. And then you have uh, Gibor, which means strength, power, the majesty of Hashem and his magnificent deeds. And then you have Yeshua itself, which means the salvation, Yeshuat, Hashem. And um, we actually pray this prayer in the Amidah for the Davidic reign, where we say, may you make salvation sprout. So anyway, um, all of that to be said that it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you got a lot of money, if you're not Jewish or if you are Jewish, it's all we all need atonement. We all need to be redeemed. And that comes through the shekel which is the full payment, which means that it's not just us by ourselves. We have to grab a hold of the salvation of Hashem, which is grabbing a hold of Yeshua, because remember, Yeshua means salvation. And that's how you make a full shekel. And that full shekel is actually the completion of our redemption, because if it's just half, then we as a whole community of believers, we're only giving half of what the atonement is, through our expression of faith and through our giving. But then Hashem comes in, i.e. Mashiach, and completes that shekel. And so 
that's your full picture of our redemption. And that's the gospel that Shaul is not ashamed to teach. And he really wants to get it out there. So there you go. Wow. That's good. That's really good. I liked uh, definitely the tie-in um, to comment just with regard to the shekel and just how it is. there's no every equal playing grounds, you know, as to... Um, rich or poor, and it correlates with the Jew, non-Jew, that what Hashem is wanting, he's wanting obedience, he's wanting you to give your complete life to him, you know, as you said, the, uh, the verse, uh, let's see here, it'll be in verse 14, right, is the one you were mentioning, yes, or no, 15, 15, uh, the wealth, sh they shall not increase and the destitute shall not decrease from the half shekel to give the portion of Hashem to tone for their souls. And so <clears throat> I like how you, you made the comment about the connection of, of this verse here about the, how the, the Besora Gula is the, the means of deliverance, um, yes. or making and correlates, which correlates with atonement for your souls. Um, that is the power of. Of of the Agula for you know for deliverance out from exile into the land um, mm. and receiving of eternal life um, and what what I what I came across what was connected there in my mind you were speaking about um, so the so the section Matthew twenty two fifteen to twenty two and he says you know give to it says new give to the emperor what belongs to emperor and give to God what belongs to God. Yes. Um, and on hearing this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. And so, the the second half of that, which is to give to God what belongs to God, he's he's saying this to the to the parashim, and it, it really does seem to possibly connect with um, later on in Matthew. I'll just go to it here, Matthew twenty-two. Um, okay, sorry, this is Matthew twenty-two. So the next next chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew twenty-three. He says in verse 23, 13, but, woe, but how terrible for you, hypocritical scholars in Perishim, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven from before men. See yourselves, you do not enter, and you do not allow others who are coming to do so. So this concept, you're not, that, that he was rebuking them and saying that they weren't, they weren't giving to God what belongs to God, which is converts, which is people wanting to come into the kingdom. And they were um, creating rulings and putting hard, um, lacking burdens that were not, you know, directly God's Hashem's will, um, oral and written, upon the converts. As you can see later, from so you got the first thirteen, and then you have um, just down a little bit in verse. Let's see here. He says, "You right here." Um, the first, uh, sorry, 15. How terrible for you, hypocritical scholars and perishim, for you wander over sea and dry land in order to convert one man. But when he is converted, you make him into twice the son of Gehenom as yourselves. So, wow. that really does seem to tie in with uh, the section here with um, the Garrett to the Romans. Yeshua, or sorry, that the Shaul is preaching um, the gospel that's supposed to produce. Like he says earlier in verse five, a ground. A, um, one translation, you got the uh, 
Catholic Jewish Bible, it, it says, grounded uh, on, okay, on behalf from promoting trusted, grounded obedience among the Gentiles. So this this obedience comes from Amuna, comes from faith, like you said, um, from the heart within and then outwardly, and uh, it's it's contrary to, you know, what what some of the parashim were doing, which was making converts, but not out not from the basis from the grounds of Mashiach or Amuna, and so therefore they're becoming son, twice the sons of, of Gehenna as themselves. Well. Well, all right then. <laughs> that Wish is, uh, I love how you just, you know, took it over to the next level with that because, I mean, ultimately, everything builds on itself, you know. So there's a reason why, you know, you can go a chapter later and then bring out all the expounding upon really what was he teaching before? Like, Yeshua kept the same thread of thought, you know. So I love how you keep that going. And the last thing I want to say on this verse is uh, I really I just got to read the definition of righteousness because, you know, we talked about the Yod and the Noon and the Zodic and the fish and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at Zadaka, like check this out where the Targum goes. The dictionary of the Targum is just ridiculous. So it says purity, righteousness, equity liberality alms giving you know like cheerful giving you know ask Hashem for wisdom because he gives liberally so Zadaka has to do with what Hashem is going to give liberally like no bounds like so we should be operating in that same kind of mentality of there should be no bounds to how much we're willing to give of ourselves but it goes into this. It says, well, Devarim Rabbah, Sonsino uh, 5, section 5, is talking about a reference to Mishle 21.3. And it's like, okay, really? That's where you're going to go to explain Zadaka? It's like, of course. So it says in Mishle 21.3, sacrifices affect atonement only for the involuntary sinner but righteousness or charity or zadaka and justice which is also zadaka atone for okay so when you uh just look at that little phrase there that is dropping down it says in mishle 21 3 to do zadaka and mishpat is justice okay zadaka mishpat like mishpatim is more acceptable to hashem than zevach which is sacrifice zevachim is sacrifices so if you're ever reading through the talmud and you come across maseket zevachim maseket zevachim has to do with sacrifices so even more important than our sacrifices is how much are we willing to give? And, um, you know, we talk about the Teshuvah, Tefillah, and Zadaka. Those three things right there literally are the epitome of what salvation is. And so 
why don't we have the ability to do sacrifices right now? Well, because the temple was destroyed because we decided to keep building a golden calf and dressing it up because the second temple was destroyed because not only did we build a golden calf, but we put clothes on it and dipped those clothes in the blood of Yosef. You know, and why am I saying that? Because baseless hatred is the epitome of committing idolatry, murder and fornication all at the same time and then killing Yosef. So, I mean, that was like extra bad. And so we don't have a temple today because we decided to do all that. But yet Hashem is like, even without a temple, you can still bring sacrifices. You can still give Zadaka. You can still experience the heights and the epitome of salvation through Zadaka. And that is the righteousness of Hashem that Shaul is trying to get all of his audiences, his congregations that he's writing to in these letters. He's trying to get them to understand that level of righteousness. Like, I desire mercy rather than sacrifice kind of thing. So anyway, that's the last thing I wanted to say on that, because I just thought the Targum going into that was just insanity. Because <laughs> like if you're just expecting sacrifices to bring you atonement, that's low hanging fruit. And, you know, especially if it's disconnected to disconnected from Zadaka, then it's low hanging rotten fruit. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it's interesting just the that you know, that, that he's wanting to keep that half shekel no matter what. It's not not any more, not any less. And you think, well, what's wrong with, with more than that? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, well, and that more that that extra could be given to something else Ooh. of high high uh, esteem, something would be valuable to do. But clearly he's wanting um, specifics, you know, and he's not wanting more or less. And so it does. It really does correlate with uh, the section here, just how he's wanting, you know, the, with regards to the covenant. You know, he's wanting you to uphold um, what he is desiring, desiring you to uphold within the covenant. So it's a, you know, fifty-fifties back and forth relationship. Um, and Hashem does his part, and you want to take the role of him, you know. And and, and we'll see later on how he quotes Habakkuk um, in the next verse. Um, oh. I might as well just read that and we'll, we'll keep going. All right. Bring it home. Here we go. Uh, so verse 17. For the Zadik Olamim and the, the Zadikat Hashem, the righteousness of Shem, is having his is having its his Gaulas, Gaulas revelation in the Besoras Hagula by Amuna, first to last from Orthodox Jewish faith to Orthodox Jewish faith as it is written. But Zadaki Zadik Bihamunato Yakakaya, the righteous by his face shall live. And he is quoting Habakkuk 2 4. Man. All right. We'll get you some. So, obviously, um, he's Galut, is, uh, he's Galus, if you want to be Ashkenazi, um, throwing in there. He's Galus is actually the title for Revelations. If you want a revelation, because that's the way you actually say it. But if you're ever looking for revelation in the Orthodox Jewish Bible, you'll notice it's called He's Galus. And it's like, yeah, because that's all about the uh, revelation, um, the revealing, if you will. Uh, and that is actually the word uh, Gal from the uh, or Gala, basically, and the Ivrit. And it's interesting because 
gala can also be the root of the redemption, which is geula, or the exile, which is gola. So the only difference between redemption and exile is the olive. You add in an olive to golut to make it geula. And so, you know, obviously the the Aleph is Hashem, the one who is wondrous, which if you spell Aleph backwards, it's actually Pela, which is, you know, um, everlasting God, mighty father, awesome. You know, that whole passage from Yeshiyahu. So um, that whole aspect is what brings in the righteousness of Hashem and Amuna. So the first thing um, dropping out is that I love how he puts in brackets he says orthodox jewish emuna orthodox for all intents purposes boil it down to the technical definition of orthodox jew the dictionary of uh the jewish dictionary or encyclopedia encyclopedia judaica sleeka good night encyclopedia judaica says orthodox jew that just simply means one who is torah true so if you try to say, well, are you an Orthodox Jew as a Lapid? And it's just like, yeah. And it's just like, but OK, so y'all don't flip light switches. Y'all don't drive to shul. Y'all walk to shul. And uh, yeah, you do all this other extra stuff. And it's just like, well, no, a lot of us drive because we live like two states away. Some of us. And uh, it feels like two states, but it's not. And then, um, you know, as far as light switches, obviously, uh, if we are in precarious situations and if we don't own the building, you know, that we're in and we need to get around then obviously we're going to flip a light switch. But, you know, there's uh, levels of that where you want to get into doing timers if you can and and, you know, really not try to do that. But regardless, that doesn't prove that you're orthodox by your custom. What proves that you're orthodox is by what are you actually shomer of? The mitzvot. You're shomer over the Torah. You're shomer over the salvation that Mashiach Yeshua has immersed us into. That we are living out, you know, the ideals of Hashem. You know, are we being lights to the world? Are we actually caring for people? Are we living lives full and overflowing with mercy? Because I can tell you the truth that there are a lot of Orthodox Jews that exist, not trying to slam them under the bus, but just to point out that there's a lot of Orthodoxy that says, no, we don't want your kind. Basically, you just mentioned it in the previous verse, closing the doors of Hashem in people's faces. And you can say so many different pros and so many different cons on that. But the thing is, is Hashem is a liberal giver of salvation he has called everybody like many are called few are chosen so who's going to answer the call all right so now we got this idea that he's talking about uh, it is kind of going back to the last verse but uh still it's all about like who is he actually talking to he says that it's for the greek it's for the jew and so on and so forth so one of the things is um this is from g shekel just going to bring this out real quick. He says uh, that if you go to 1 Kings 12, 28, it says, King Jeroboam made two calves of gold, 
homeboy wasn't playing around. He's like, we did one golden calf. I'm going to do two golden calves. I'm going to put one at the top and I'm going to put one at the bottom of the northern kingdom so that nobody can make Aliyah to go to Yerushalayim and defect and go over to the southern kingdom because north side rules and south side is not good. And so he wanted to just block it all up, bullock it all up, like bullock, like, yeah, that's terrible. Anyway, so um, when this happened in this verse, he made these calves and said to the people, you have been going up to Yerushalayim long enough. Behold, here are your gods, O Yisrael, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so that's totally in this week's Torah portion, right? That is Parsha Kitisa. Like, that's what they said when they made the golden calf. Anyway, Talmud Maseket Shabbat 56b, which means that's from the Talmud Babli. Rabbi Yehuda said in Shamuel's name, when Shlomo married Paro's daughter, Gabriel descended and planted a reed in the sea and it gathered a bank around it on which the great city of Rome was built. Okay, so that's your that's your Rome, Italy, right? So then it says in a Bereta, it was taught on that day that Yeroboam brought the two golden calves into Bethel. Okay, it says, and the other into Dan, a hut was built, and this developed into Greek Italy. So Greek is Yavan. Okay, so we got the Yavani, the Roman, and all that kind of stuff that came from golden calves and uh, marriages to Egypt. So taking ourselves into Geula as opposed to the, or taking ourselves into the Galut as opposed to the Geula. So now, um, if I could just share that, because uh, I know we're going to talk about the righteous to live by faith. There's a lot of other stuff I wanted to say, but need to say that, I guess. And uh, the living by faith actually is precedented even before Habakkuk. If you go back to Parsha Kedoshim in the fifth Aliyah, and it is uh, Vayikra 18.5. You shall keep my laws, my rules, and the pursuit of which man shall live. Ani Adonai. Just to drop down a Rashi, and then I'm going to hand the mic over to you to do whatever you would like to do and close us out. Because uh, we're just out of time. Just how it always works, right? <laughs> uh, so it says, you shall therefore keep my ordinances. Rashi brings up, there's the timer. Okay, this is not a mere repetition of verse four. Because, you know, verse four says, my rules alone shall you observe and faithfully follow my laws. Ani Adonai Eloheka. So it's just kind of like, wait, you just said this. So why are you repeating yourself? It's like, no, it's not a repetition. It's intended to include other details of laws mentioned in this chapter which scripture does not expressly mention one of the things that happens with torah observance especially for people who haven't grown up in torah is you're like well i read the text and it said you stone your children it's like yeah you read the written torah what'd you what'd you consult from the oral torah and it's like what do you mean from the oral torah i read the written torah the bible is the holy word of god it's infallible and it's like 
Yeah, but you know, there's two Torahs, like there's two Mashiachs, and it's just like, oh, you're crazy. First of all, there's one Mashiach, and second of all, there's one Bible, and there's one language, and that language is Greek, and it's like, no, it's not. But anyway, I digress. Let me get back on track. It says, in this chapter, which scripture does not expressly mention, okay, another explanation is scripture makes this repetition in order to attach the commands of observing, which is Shamira, which is based off of Shomer. Shouts out to Shomer, man. Uh, and then performing, which is Osea, which is Ose, as in Naase, like what we shall do. And then to the Chukim, the statutes, the, the mitzvah we don't even understand. Like, why do we do this? I don't know. We're doing it. And then it says, and the commands of observing and doing to the Mishpatim, the justice, the civil laws, for in verse four, it uses the term osia only in connection with Mishpatim and that of observance only in reference to the Hukim. So it's just like it's both. You can't just split it out and say, observe this, guard this, do this and just be mindful of this. You got to be mindful of it and you got to do it, whether it's a, a commandment you understand and a commandment you don't understand. So, Baruch Hashem, Todah Rabbah, your turn, and do you think? Amen. Um, yeah, what's what's so powerful, and I'm just, it's what directs me. You have, so in verse yeah, 17, um, the righteousness of Hashem, that is the revelation in the Besora Gula, um, by Amuna, first to last, to the, to the Jew and to the Greek, and uh, what... What he's really speaking about, um, he speaks later, obviously, because this is the whole letter, and we're just in the first <laughs> one, sh first chapter. But uh, again, like we had mentioned earlier, um, which is remember from chapter uh, ten, we had briefly um, gone over. Brothers, my heart's deepest desire and prayer to God for Israel for their salvation, their deliverance from the Gula. For I have, I can testify to their to their zeal for God, but it's not based on correct understanding. For since they are unaware of God's way of making people righteous, Ooh. and says seeking to step their own, they have not submitted to themselves to God's way of making people righteous. For the goal of which the Torah aims is Mashiach, who offers righteousness to everyone who trusts. Um, and then, and then he quotes, like you would, it quotes for Moshe writes about the righteousness grounded in Torah. The person who does these things is the mitzvot will attain life through them. And so it's both, it's both uh, believing. And it's also obedience, but it's it's amazing the correlation you have uh, in. Well, first off, in um, Luke eighteen, it's this it's this because uh, in the context of um, Habakkuk two four, you have Habakkuk um, petitioning Hashem as the righteous do, and he's crying out for he's crying out for justice. He's crying out for Torah to be to be fully obeyed and submitted to. He says, um, in the first first chapter here, he says, why do you make me see wrongdoing? He's, he's, he's beseeching Hashem before him you know, in prayer. Why do you make me see wrongdoing? Why do you permit oppression, pillage and cruelty confront me so that strife and discord prevail? Therefore, Torah is not followed and justice never gets rendered because the wicked fence in the righteous 
this is why justice comes out perverted. So he's crying out to Hashem, really for the complete Gula and for Mashiach to return and the Torah to be fully obeyed, the Shem to be glorified. And then he, he steps back and says, okay, I positioned Hashem. Now I'm going to stand my position. And this is right in chapter 2. I will stand at my watch post. I will station myself on the rampart. I will look to see what God will say through through me and what I will answer when I am approved. So now he's kind of he's waiting in stillness and silence to say, okay, what is Hashem going to respond to my cry? For, for justice to be done. And Adonai answered me, and he said, write down the vision clearly on tablets so that even a runner can read it, which correlates with um, the ones who are sent, the uh, the uh, Shaklat, or the... Uh, the Shliaks. Shliaks, exactly. Um, for the vision is meant for its appointed time. Again, its appointed time speaks, it speaks of the end, and it does not lie. It may take a little while, but wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. And then he quotes, he says, look at the proud. He is inwardly he is inwardly not upright or righteous, but the righteous, the upright, will attain life through trusting faithfulness. And then he keeps going on about the wicked and what they're doing um, to the righteous and, and the repercussions of that. And so the context um, in the uh, Luke 18, it really brings down... Um, pretty much the same exact um, situation. Uh, you got the persistent widow. Yeshua told them a parable about their need to pray at all times and not lose heart. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that town who kept appealing to him, just as Habakkuk did, "Give me justice against my adversaries." For a while he was refused, but later he said to himself, "Even though I do not fear God or respect men, because this widow keeps on persisting, uh, pestering me, I'm sorry, I will give her justice." Then she will stop wearing me out with her perpetual requests. And and Adonai has said, listen to the words of the unjust judge. So the Lord, sorry, the Lord, the master said, listen to the words of the unjust judge. Will not God bring about justice for his elect to crowd him day and night? Will he continue to defer their help? I tell you, he'll promptly carry out justice on their behalf. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so you have... This, um, the righteous continue in this amuna. They continue to trust in the faithfulness of Hashem to bring about all that He's 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 promised in the covenants, and they don't begin to either take start taking revenge as he, as Shul says, don't take revenge, but leave it. Wait for Hashem um, to bring about justice. Um, and, he, and right after uh, that, this parable about this about the, about the widow, it says, but to some who in their own righteousness. Who, but some who trusted in their own righteousness um, and viewed others with contempt. He also told this parable. Two, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and pay tithes of all that I receive. The tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling even to lift his eyes towards Shemaim. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. For everyone who exalts himself be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so you have um, some, as it's as in you know, chapter 10, some who, who are trusting in their own righteousness. And it correlates with, um, in the morning Shema, morning blessings, 
um, in the in the Sidur, at least Ashken, Ashkenazi expanded version for men, uh, verse or CD page twenty six. It says, "Master of the world, it's not in the merit of our own righteousness we cast our supplications before you, but in the merit of of our of your abundant mercy. What are we, and what is our life, and what is our kindness? What is our righteousness? What is our salvation? What is our strength? What is our might? What can we say before you, Hashem, our God, and God our forefathers? Are not all the mighty like nothing before you, and the famous as if they had never existed? And of course, with the mighty that Habakkuk is seeing, the wicked that are strong." And, and that make their strength their God. And so he goes on, he says, no, it's, you know, he, and he petitions on the basis of Hashem's righteousness, on, on what he has promised in the covenants to bring about and, and do. And so um, it's just this, it's that you constantly, you know, the, the righteous are the ones who continue to live out their lives trusting, and therefore they remain in a place of, of right standing, they continue to obey because they say, no, I'm going to be rewarded. Hashem sees me, he hears me, he knows He knows me. He's going to take account of all this. And I'm not going to try to establish um, my own righteousness in, in that self-boasting, um, but also not going to try to bring about justice. Um, that is to revenge the wicked that has come upon myself. You know, like we are, Israel is the widow. And so we are to always remain in a place of, of faith. And that's really the game that we're playing here is that, um, you know, the, the right, the faithfulness, the obedience that is grounded by faith. So we'll leave it at that. So are you pretty much saying life is a test, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's funny because you know, our Rebbe just dropped that on the Aliyah today. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's, so there's that. Yeah. Well, Baruch Hashem, Todah uh, Rabbah for podcasting with me on this uh, for Parsha Ketisa while we're hanging out in Rome. Man, Man, leading the Roman road to Yerushalayim. All right, so Baruch Hashem. Man, you know, what do we what do we know? What do we know? There's a lot. There's a lot definitely in the scriptures. You know, there's so much to to meditate upon and seek Hashem to give us understanding and, and revelation for Amen. because we definitely live in. Um, perilous times, the days are short and we want to bear fruit 100% for Hashem so. and light it up, so what do we know what do we know Barukat uh, sorry Sliga. Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Ashir Natalan Torah Amet Bakei Olam Natal Brokdakeinu Barukata Adonai Shnotena Torah Amen. Amen. Well, Shalom and Shavuto. Shabbat Shalom. Oh, sorry, Shalom and Shavuto.